Hello, it's Russell here. I'm very excited to share some of my conversation with Professor Tom Oliver. Tom Oliver is a professor of ecology at the University of Reading, a social ecological systems expert and a senior fellow within the UK government informing on environmental policy. I don't mean informing on it as in you know, an informant. I mean it in like he gives you information. Anyway, this book he's written, The Self-Delusions, absolutely fantastic. He talks about how, in a sense, we are all one, not from a wonderful spiritual but sort of made-up perspective, but from a scientific data-based perspective. He explains it beautifully on a microbial level, on a, the level of the cosmos, glorious stuff across time and space. We are one. Beautiful perspective. You're going to enjoy this extract. Hey, which extract should we use? Do you like the bit where he talks about microbes? <laughs> Do you like the bit when he talks about the microbes? Where there's 40 kilograms of oxygen. That's a good That's bit. A You've just the first bit. thing you remember. Did you like that bit tomorrow? What about when yeah. I'm talking? What yeah, about a bit that I'm that in? You said that we have to choose bits where the guests speak. Well, I regret saying that. <laughs> there's a bit about language that was good. What about just look? No, let's do him. You all know me. You know me. I talk. Let's use Tom Oliver's best bit. The bit about the microbes above Russia. No, oxygen yeah, above oxygen. Russia. <laughs> above Russia. Here we go then. This is a good bit. It's going to knock your socks off. <laughs> now you can listen to more episodes of Under the Skin only on Luminary, a subscription podcast network with original shows from your favourite creators. You can get a subscription for as little as two ninety nine a month with their annual plan plus a seven day free trial to get started. Visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. It really is a fantastic platform. Under the Skin is like a university of information extracted, yes, by a nitwit, but from some of the finest minds humanity has to offer and that's not saying much 2.99 for a, for a prescription what do you want uh, it's not available in all markets subject to local currency terms apply what you think there's not going to be terms you think this is subject form we haven't got a global currency yet because we haven't managed to overthrow the world's what we have got a global currency yeah love demire you demire an optimist went there is a global currency hold on south africa there is a global currency love whereas jenny a pessimist just sort of sneered. An Irish sneer. I saw both those things simultaneously. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy the podcast. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. Can you explain a bit more about that, please? Thoughts jumping between heads and microbes altering our moods. Yeah. So, so the, I mean, uh, as we talked about before, we we intuitively feel that we're we're kind of these independent, you know, atomized entities. But when you look at, say, the physical science, um, we, I mean. Firstly, our bodies are made of molecules, which are actually parts of, you know, they were part of other plants and animals. And, you know, inside our body, there are 40 kilograms of oxygen. Uh, and that oxygen was, uh, before it was in our bodies, was spread around the atmosphere in the, earth, in the oceans. It was inside dinosaurs and plants and trees. Um, just, just to kind of give you a thought experiment about, uh, you know, how that, those molecules would have been spread out. If you imagine those 40 kilograms of oxygen right now, they're quite, you know, densely held together with, with the, 
they're in water so they're strong kind of intermolecular bonds holding our bodies that's why we don't all float around even though we're full of oxygen but if we when we die and we're whether cremated or um you know those oxygen molecules will, will burst out they'll spread amongst the the atmosphere uh, you can imagine them spreading around the entire earth you know a line 100 kilometers high in the atmosphere and those molecules spread around the entire earth if they were equally spread how far apart do you reckon the average oxygen molecule would be that was once in your body i don't know like sort of if they have to go around the whole world like i don't know uh, 20 mile 50 mile smaller it's a bit smaller than that so it turns out there would be 0.3 millimeters apart so in a mil in a meter cubed and it, if they went around the whole world in the whole world you'd take a meter cubed from from uh, you know uh, a kilometer above russia uh of, of moscow you know and you take a meter cube there'd be 29 million molecules of oxygen that were once in your body so that's a dense fog of of molecules and that's mingling with a dense fog of molecules that were once part of other you know every every dinosaur that's ever lived every plant every you know shark hedgehog walrus it's all mixed in there so when you take a breath you know you're breathing in all those that zoological legacy all right zoological legacy that's a nice bit of language yeah. i guess you're also breathing in bacteria because on our body actually most of our body is um in terms of number of cells is, is bacteria we have about 38 trillion bacterial cells in our body to 37 trillion human cells so they slightly outnumber us um but they're also inside inside our human cells you know we have these mitochondria they're the powerhouses of the cells they they produce the energy that we, that we move around they were just originally single-celled bacteria that got engulfed by by a bigger cell that became multicellular organisms that evolved into humans so even inside each one of our cells like little russian dolls are, are kind of microorganisms bacteria so we're a kind of chimera of of the human and the non-human and, you know, we, we, those bacteria in our guts, there's a lot of stuff, you know, you read about how they can affect our moods and our emotions. Again, detracting from our supposed, you know, autonomy, um, because, you know, the way we act can be affected by how our gut bacteria are kind of treating us today. But in addition to that, they're on our skin. Um, in our mouths, there's about a thousand different bacterial species. Um, behind our, our ears, there's about 150 different species. So they're all over us. And when you brush your skin like that, they, they fly off into the air, you know. So actually around you, we, we shed about a million microscopic particles every hour. Uh, and you can sample that and it, and it contains a distinct like signature of you. So if you use like, sophisticated processing of what DNA is in there and it's your own kind of signature, like a cloud surrounding you, uh, like an aura, I suppose. But when you breathe in so next to someone, you're breathing in their cloud, you know, so we're, we're constantly, you know, transferring molecules between us. And actually a lot of the, the cells in our body, you know, they're only with us for a few weeks, then new cells form. So we're like continually turning over. So then, okay, right, so our bodies, our physical bodies are not, they don't define us. But what about DNA? That's the instructions that build the body. Maybe that's us. But actually that's, you know, borrowed from our ancestors. We'll pass it on to our ancestors to come. I mean, even viruses sometimes carry uh, DNA between humans. So, you know, the, 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 the tree of life is actually like a dense, tangled, you know, network because of these, these viruses pulling the different um, limbs together. So physically, you know, uh, the science sort of says, you know, we're not, we're not individuals. But then, okay, well, psychologically, maybe we are. And I guess that's where the, the, the psychology comes into it, um, which I can expand on, but... No, go on. 
No, I was going to say about the thoughts, actually. My next question was you've explained now like how the microbial effect of consciousness and mood and stuff. And I was going to say about the thoughts bit. Yeah, I guess because then, okay, so yeah, maybe it's our minds that that kind of defines me, you know, that, surely that's me. But actually, you know, every every touch from someone, every word, every pheromone, you know, the, the smells, the, the molecules that we get from people influences our brains. You know, we have um, billions of neurons in our in our heads and they, they're changing every every second and they're influenced by every word that we hear everything we smell so we're, we're not even the same person that we were when we woke up this morning you know we're always changing so even as i talk to you now we're kind of changing each other's brains and interacting with each other like that our minds are, are porous and um you know we have these these ideas these cultural ideas that you know for example, like inventors, you know, they're great, they're lone, lone geniuses out there kind of beavering away in their labs. But actually, a lot of these inventions are almost kind of ready to be birthed. They're, they're kind of a product of a, you know, well, standing on the shoulder of giants, I guess, is a, is a cliche, but it's actually true. You know, lots of inventions like the um, thermometer, incandescent light bulb, steamboat, hypodermic ne needle, they're all invented by multiple people at the same time sometimes patents filed on exactly the same day in different places. So, you know, these inventors weren't necessarily, um, you know, obviously they're, they're bright uh, women and, and men, but actually uh, they're often taking the almost inevitable next step in a series of kind of interdependent innovations. And this creativity, it's part of a great linked, you know, uh, sort of human endeavor, I guess. Yeah, where does it come from? You ask, perhaps our sort of intuitive reaction to genius, whether it's in sport or art or science, there's this sense of awe of what is, how did someone do that? How do you do that? Is a sense that it's beyond the individual. I heard some time ago that we should regard ourselves more as an event than an object. Do you think it's possible, plausible, likely that... We that we narrativize our reality due to the sort of nature of our perspective, like we operate on a limited bandwidth of consciousness and that perhaps there are comparable, distinct, higher or at least different levels of consciousness, perhaps at the level of this sort of microbial reality that you describe floating in dense cubic clouds above Russia that could be attuned to, could be subjectively experienced. Is it, do you like to get into that kind of gear? I mean, I I think that there's definitely things a lot we don't know about the world for sure. And I think, um, like you you said, in terms of um, we can. Did you say? I think you said about kind of nouns. I guess whether you know objects are true or whether things are events or actually dynamic processes. And I think that's absolutely true. And you know, if you really look at it carefully, there is no such thing as an object like a noun. Uh, you know, it's actually a shorthand um, and it's a useful shorthand because, you know, I mean, imagine trying to sort of, uh, I think I'm a book, I give an example. If you were like a, a, a you know, you, are, you own a field or something and you've got an assistant and you ask him to go and cut the, cut the meadow, you know, you say meadow because it's a kind of useful uh, shorthand. But if we were trying to articulate that in its full uh, complexity, you'd be saying, well, can you go and mow that area, which is in a process of change and the soil microbes are becoming dynamic and there's gas fluxes and there's pollinators, which are made up of DNA, which is connected to the rest of the world. You know, I can't do this job anymore. I just wanted to work on a farm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Complicating everything. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, see, you lose your assistant. So we, we kind of need that, uh, that shorthand. <clears throat> but actually those shorthands can become a bit dangerous if we believe them. They become our reality. This, this sort of the, the, the signifier becomes the signified. I, um, I, I have, have the great privilege of living near the River Thames. I was on the river some time ago. There's a weeping willow tree. Me and my wife went under it on a paddle board and hung out. We didn't do nothing erotic. We were just hanging out. But like there, as a, like when a boat would go by, the ripples come along and they move the little paddle board that we were on. I was holding onto a branch to keep us there underneath it. And I said that, do you, I imagine that if you had uh, sensory instruments sensitive enough that the waves that we can experience when we are in water would be uh, as, uh, uh, measurable when someone comes into a room and you are affected by it? And based on what you're saying about pheromones and microbial information that this is true that like it's like oh i don't feel cool when that person comes in like it's not entirely a construct as materialists uh, in the uh, the current zenith of understanding would have us believe but that there is the possibility that we are like mm -mm, that ain't good something negative just happened and where do you say you feel these things in your gut in your heart where there are indeed as i understand neurological cells and processes of, uh, that could be called intuition taking place Definitely. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of processes that go on be, behind our consciousness that, you know, that, that we're not a, a aware of. And, and I mean, there's experiments, for example, where, you know, dentists making mistakes. Uh, if you get, if you wear, don't do this, by the way, if you wear a t-shirt to the dentist that you've been, you know, you've had some fearsome event happen to you, you know, you jumped out of an airplane and then you're, you're, you're the kind of fear pheromones are on the t-shirt and then you go to the dentist, the dentist is more likely to make a mistake um, because that, that, those pheromones kind of essentially affect them and it's an alarm pheromone so uh, yeah it's just a life lesson about going how was this study take conducted in a double blind format right we're going to need a couple of hundred dentists we're going to need some skydivers and some very smelly t-shirts yeah there's well there's yeah there's actually a couple of there's a couple of weird experiments like that. One was they got they got the the skydivers and then they get the sweat from the the t-shirts. They did do it. <laughs> they got <laughs> sweat from from people who who had been exercising but not in a kind of fearful situation. And then they aerosolize it and then they squirt it up people's noses and then you know it smells mildly sweaty. Both both treatments smell the same, but one of kind of got the fear factor in and it does affect people's it affects the way they behave. You know, so these kind of hidden things are happening all the time. And you know clever scientific experiments can start to reveal them but you know that's like a needle in a haystack there could be many more you know factors happening that we're not you know we don't know about yet in the way we're, we're responding if you're enjoying this conversation join me over at luminary for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of under the skin go to luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial see you there